Welcome to Biomarkers, an audio series that archives the oral history of organic geochemistry. I'm your host, Fatima Hussein, and I'm here today with my series co-creators and fellow organic geochemists, Angel Maharo and Juliana Drozd. Today's episode features Dr. Catherine Freeman. So I'm Kate Freeman, and I am an organic geochemist and an isotope geochemist and a faculty member in the Department of Geosciences at Penn State University. So I've, so I've been at Penn State since 91, uh, so next year it'll be 30 years, which is hard for me to imagine, but there it is. For the first time on Biomarkers, we're compiling Kate's insights and conversation into two episodes. Not one, but two episodes. So be sure to tune into both and get the whole story. Right. So folks, let's jump in. We began by asking Kate about her pathway to organic geochemistry. Let's see, it, it, it's a little bit of a nonlinear path, uh, but not as much as others. Um, I was raised in a family where my father was a chemist. He's a, he was a, a professor of chemistry at the University of Maryland, and uh, his name's Dave Freeman. Uh, and, um, and so there was always science in the home. There were you know, various experiments happening in the shop, in the basement. We were blowing things up in the driveway. Uh, he was teaching us chromatography using paper napkins at the dinner table. Um, so I, I grew up in that environment, but I, I didn't think of myself as inclined towards science um, until I got to college. And in, um, as an undergraduate, I really enjoyed chemistry. And I um, had a, a, a friend, a very good friend, who said, oh, I just took this geology class, which I really hated. Um, but I think you might enjoy it, Kate. And so she, like a blind date, I kind of got set up with my future. Um, and I, I took that class. Uh, and I can remember sitting in the, the auditorium and hearing about isotopes and forams carrying information about past oceans and past climates. And uh, just thinking, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. That's what I want to do. So I was motivated to find uh, a way to use stable isotopes and and to study Earth's history. And at the same time, my father had helped connect me uh, for some summer, summer internships with Tom Herring, who is at the Geophysical Lab in um, the Carnegie Institute of Washington. Um, and Tom worked with organic compounds. He was an organic geochemist, but he also did stable isotopes. So he was really kind of introducing me to that the beauty of the intersection of those two fields. Um, and he had received a letter from John Hayes and John was looking for graduate students. And so Tom shared this letter with me and um, I thought, Indiana? I, I don't know about living in Indiana, but I, I wrote and to John and, and uh, applied to the graduate program. And next thing you know, I'm a PhD student in Bloomington, Indiana, working for John Hayes on exactly what I was excited about, which is stable, combining stable isotopes with biomarker studies. But we wondered. Did Kate always know she was going to end up in science? Well, first of all, being raised in the 60s and 70s, uh, I was not socialized to think of myself as a scientist. Um, and so when I went off, the, and, and I should say, add that my mother has a PhD in English literature. So a lot of people, and I'm, I'm an avid reader, and so I think I, I included, as many people assume that I would go into the humanities, something like my mother uh, because of my gender um, and my love of reading, but I couldn't keep myself from being sort of pulled into the tractor beam of science. Um, and, and so my father was really a, a, an invaluable mentor to me professionally 
um, as well as you know, just personally as, as a supportive parent, um, because he understood how graduate school works and he helped me sort of get my head together about how to apply to graduate school. And then once I was in graduate school, he was he was supportive about the sort of long timeline that takes to eventually get that PhD. And so so I actually come from a fairly academic family. There's a lot of privilege in that, in that I had, you know, a lot of support culturally and um, in a family um, environment for what I was choosing to do. Kate's PhD advisor, John Hayes, is known for his work on measuring carbon isotopes in lipids. Uh, John um, has a philosophy uh, that was very different than Tom Herring. Um, when I worked for Tom, he uh, he was kind of, um, uh, well, it literally embraced a philosophy that was written in his, his, his handbook on chromatography, which was, uh, quote, shoot first, ask questions later. And uh, when I went off to work with John, he was more an inherit, I think, of um, Louis Pasteur, who said, chance favors a prepared mind, right? So he really wanted us to sort of think out what we were doing in advance. And, um, and so my own work is a little bit of both. I'm, you know, I think I've imbued the philosophy of like, well, let's just try it and see, which comes from Tom. And then, you know, the power of really thinking through and anticipating what you might find. And then when you don't find it, that's when science is exciting because, you know, it's only when you're wrong that you really get to learn um, and, and make new discoveries. So that's, um, uh, my philosophy is really more, more like that. Um, let's, let's, let's think hard, but let's be, you know, let's be open to the possibility of being completely wrong and, and take that as an opportunity. And as a student, Kate, when I was working with John and we were developing um, the methods for making isotope measurements of individual molecules. So that was my, my PhD project was building a GC uh, interface that would allow us to make carbon isotope measurements on individual compounds. And, and, and I can remember sort of seeing those first peaks come out and getting isotope numbers for individual compounds and just being hooked like that was so exciting to me. And I, to this day, I continue to have that excitement. Like I, I just was in the lab yesterday and a student was running a sample and they were, the peaks were coming out and I, I had that same warm, fuzzy feeling <clears throat> made me wag my tail um, when, I, when I see it, I just, I just love it. And on that note of warm and fuzzy, we asked Kate, over the course of your career, what projects or aspects of your research make you the most proud Gosh, I just think each project is so cool. So I'm, it's a little bit like asking me to pick which child I like best, which I would never do. Um, but I do, I did find that our work on um, ancient CO2 reconstructions using alkenones was uh, uh, an exciting kind of uh, frontier uh, project that um, brought us into um, kind of big questions about the carbon cycle and past climate and past oceans. It was it really opened up my understanding and thinking about the interconnectedness of biomarkers with um, so many other fields. Um, so that's been a lot of fun, um, and was a lot of fun. I, I, I'm not actively working in that area and haven't for some time. But I, I kind of crawled out of the mud of the oceans and onto land, and so I've been working more recently with um, terrestrial markers um, and. Uh, one time that was pretty fun was with a former student named Heather Graham, and uh, she was studying uh, lipids of leaf or leaf waxes in uh, the rainforest in Panama, and she was sampling leaves at different elevations in the canopy, and to do that, she crawled into a little 
um, gondola that was suspended from a, a construction crane out in the middle of this rainforest. And so she wrote a proposal to go and do the sampling. And I thought, well, I, I better just see what this is all about. So I joined her as for uh, some days of this expedition. And we went up into the rainforest and collected leaves, measured light, and um, and other properties uh, collected air samples for CO2. And, and uh, it was just a, a fantastic experience. And when you're up there above the canopy, you can see both the, the Caribbean and the Pacific Ocean at the same time, because the land is so narrow. It was just an amazing experience. It was really fun. Um, so that was that was a pretty terrific field experience. So I've had some really wonderful uh, lab experiences, um, for example, with the, the early work with John and, and then going in the field um, uh, with many of my students. Are, each project's a little different and takes us in a new direction often. And as always, to end today's episode, we asked Kate, what are the qualities of a good organic geochemist? Well, first and foremost is a sense of curiosity. Um, and... Curiosity can help you get past obstacles because you begin to see obstacles not as something in your way, but as something you can understand or learn from. Uh, so that's pretty powerful. Um, certainly um, uh, a, a student who is um, uh, passionate about their work is, is always a value, but passion can come over time. And if you're just starting out and you don't feel like you have the right amount of passion, don't worry, you'll find it. And it'll, it'll sneak up on you when you're not looking. Um, and you find yourself, you know, wagging your tail over something you didn't realize you were passionate about. So I don't think passion is necessarily an agreement, an ingredient, but a real um, interest and curiosity, I think is the most valuable. Um, students who are uh, able to kind of embrace being wrong <laughs> um, will probably, you know, survive the challenges of graduate school um, with the least psychological damage. <laughs> um, because be being wrong is what we are all about. It's what we do. Um, and, you know, it really, it, it's, it's about sort of figuring out how wrong you really are <laughs> or not. <laughs> not so much whether you will be wrong or not, you will be. And so understanding to what degree and under what circumstances you're wrong is probably your better bet, not trying to figure out how to avoid being wrong. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. And a sincere thank you to Dr. Kate Freeman for speaking with us and for sharing her meaningful insights. And now for a special message. Hello, this is Ainara Sistiaga from the Globe Institute at the University of Copenhagen. If you are enjoying the Biomarket podcast, and would like to stay up to date with all of our upcoming episodes, you can now follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Next time, join us for part two of our exciting interview with Kate Freeman at Penn State. To tune in, go to summons.mit.edu backslash biomarkers podcast. Biomarkers is produced in the Summons Lab at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. 